right. Thank you, everybody, for joining. My name is Ellen Parker. I'm the host of the Programmatic Digest podcast. And today we have a very, very cool panel of guests. So we're going to give everybody a couple minutes to join, and then we'll get into today's conversation. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome to the very first live panel. Yay! I was looking to add some effects like of, uh, you know, claps here and there, but I wasn't technically savvy enough. So I'm like looking into it for the next panel. But with this panel, we're going to keep it chill. We're going to talk about contextual. I have four, three amazing people on the panel today. Uh, Amanda Rankin, Manager and Data and Audience Strategy at Michelin. Hi, Amanda. How are you? Hello, I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing fantastic. And then next we have Victoria Peach, Senior Digital Media Expert. How are you doing, Victoria? I'm great. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you as well. And then last but not least, um, Chris Varger, Professor of Advertising and Analytics at the University of Colorado Boulder. How are you, Chris? I'm fine. Nice to be here today. Yeah, this is going to be pretty exciting. So um, before we get too much into today's conversation, for just uh, those just joining in Clubhouse fashion, welcome. I am Ellen Parker. I am the Programmatic Digest podcast host, and also I am um, CEO and founder of Ellen Parker Consulting, where we offer customizable training and programmatic media solutions. So Thank you all for joining today's live podcast panel is on contextual targeting and should take about 20 minutes because I know everybody's busy and we all have uh, we all have client deliverable deliverables in Q4. So we're going to get into it. Um, Amanda, how about you give us a quick introduction of yourself? Tell us a little bit about your background and then uh, what you're excited to talk about today. Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here. So um, I'm Amanda Rankin. I am the data and audience manager for Michelin North America, largely leading <laughs> our uh, first, second and third party data strategies, along with our DMP, uh, as well as leading our retailer media strategies and our in-house media buying capabilities. So lots going on there. I really enjoy my time here. Uh, prior to that, I spent many years agency side as well. So I have a, a really broad base of um, agency and client experience across various verticals. And <laughs> very excited to be here with you guys talking about the hot topic of contextual. Super yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we're definitely going to get into that. So, um, Victoria, how about you introduce yourself real quick? Yeah. So um, I come from predominantly an agency background working in the B2B space. So healthcare, um, agriculture, things like that. Um, so predominantly uh, agency, like I said, um, and I have kind of had backgrounds across programmatic uh, as well as paid social channels. So that's kind of been my forte um, thus far. That's what's up. And Chris, last but not least. Hey, yeah. So I'm an associate professor of advertising. Uh -huh. The two things that I specialize in teaching are programmatic advertising and analytics. So Ooh. I teach communication students in advertising um, in undergraduate, uh, and then in the graduate program, I teach advanced analytics. But uh, I, I really have been focusing a lot lately on making my own contextual advertising solution called Social Context. Mm -hmm. So it is a 
pleasure to be here and I'm happy to talk and, and share knowledge. Well, you know what? How about we get right into it? And since you mentioned social context, tell us more about it. Um, and, and before you get into too much details, maybe give us your definition of contextual targeting before we get to the, to the other panelists, Chris. What is your, how, how would we best define, I'm sorry, define contextual targeting? Contextual advertising is, is this idea of, you know, appearing alongside uh, mm -hmm. content on the web that, that, that you have control over. Um, mm -hmm. You know, positively contextually targeting is, is saying, well, I want to appear alongside finance news or I want to mm -hmm. appear alongside sports news. That's kind of mm -hmm. traditionally how it's been thought of. Now, negatively contextually targeting is avoiding things, right? So it's saying, I don't want to be alongside these types of content online. Um, you know, social context is is kind of outside. There are a lot of different ways in which mm -hmm. uh, kind of the, the the landscape of contextual has been um, kind of conceptualized. IAB has this large taxonomy of, of thousands of different types of news, and and Garm has also created these this contextual kind of uh, topology that you can you can decide where where your ad appears and doesn't. Uh, social context is kind of kind of lives outside of that, and it's more of you know. What are the socially good things that we can sponsor with our advertisements and, and how do we find those things that match our brand? So gotcha. So that's my definition of, of contextual. Now, now, I'm sure Amanda and Victoria have a little bit of nuance to add to that. I'd love, love. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Thank you, Chris. Um, and the reason why I love this panel, particularly because we literally have somebody in each of the programmatic ecosystem. We have Amanda on the brand side, Victoria on the agency side, and then Chris, you on the vendor side. So from an agency side, what can you tell us about um, contextual and not so much a definition, but maybe um, have you how you may have implemented it? Yeah, so um, having predominantly worked in the B2B space, it mm -hmm. has been a bit of a balancing act here and there in terms of the ways that we use contextual targeting. Um, yeah. Because we are generally working already with such small audiences to begin with, there is a bit of a fine line of becoming too niche and becoming too broad. Mm -hmm. So really what that comes down to is finding those keywords and topics that are going to allow us to reach our audiences as individuals, not necessarily as customers, um, as a means of making sure that we're not overshooting our shot in terms of impression generation, but we're also yeah. not, you know, looking a weekend and have under a thousand impressions totally generated because we've <laughs> gone too far. Yeah, yeah. Um, at least that's been my exposure to it thus far. Got you. Amanda, what do you, what's your take on that? Yeah, no, I think from a brand perspective, you know, and, and someone who's been a bit out of the weeds a bit more now that I'm on the client side, mm -hmm. I think it's just thinking about, you know, from a brand perspective, what sort of content do you want to align your brand with mm -hmm. to make it the most relevant and engaging to the consumer? And that goes both on the targeting side and then the exclusion side where you mm -hmm. don't want to be so much. Um, being uh, in the tire industry, it's a very interesting category. And sometimes you might think automotive might make sense, for example, from a contextual standpoint. But you have to think about if someone's purchasing a new vehicle, mm -hmm. uh, they're probably not in the market for tires. So just thinking it, about it from a full funnel perspective and what content makes the most sense for the consumer at each phase of the funnel. I love that. So since you mentioned full funnel, let's talk about the strategy behind contextual advertising, contextual targeting, because I think that in the last, especially after Google announcing announcement of Google, uh, 
of cookies deprecation, not Google deprecation. That would be different. Um, so since their announcement, it seems that contextual targeting has been almost at the forefront in addition to identity solution, such as um, the UID 2.0 that Trade Desk led for a while. In the case of contextual targeting, during the conference that I just attended, Programmatic IO in New York, it was a big topic in terms of a lot of advertisers and marketers are still not including contextual in their strategy. I think it's because historically contextual has not been as sexy to advertisers and brands because of how broad and general the targeting specificity uh, specification has been. So tell us a little bit about, especially as a brand, from a brand perspective, how have you handled uh, maybe proposing contextual targeting, or was it even a point of discussion with the stakeholders um, from a brand perspective? Was it even uh, a, in questions, right? Have you have you found that it was harder for you to implement something like a contextual advertising? Yeah, so I'll say a, a couple things mm -hmm. to that to that point. Um, I think that you know, in programmatic and digital, things move so quickly, mm -hmm. and there's always new advancements in technology, new targeting solutions, and brands just quite frankly have a hard time keeping up with a lot of that. Yeah, um, and we tend to rely a lot on our agency partners to make those decisions for us. And like you said, mm -hmm. typically, you know, when you think of contextual, it's not a super uh, conversion driving tactic when you, especially when you compare it to something like retargeting. Mm -hmm. But I think you have to acknowledge the fact that there are a lot of advancements being made in the way of AI and things that mm -hmm. we should be testing in preparation for uh, the cookie apocalypse, if you will, <laughs> that's upon <laughs> us. Um, so I think that as brands, we really just need to set aside a little bit of budget to really test and learn some of these new capabilities and really push our agency partners to have that mindset as well. Great point in terms of uh, pushing for agency partners, because I was going to ask you, Victoria, what's um, so what's your point of view when um, from an agency perspective, what do you what is your point of view in terms of adding contextual targeting as a strategy? And maybe to some of our listeners or viewers now, um, you're thinking, but whoa, I'm running contextual targeting. It's been like that for years. I'm working with, I don't know, Zeus Technology or Washington Post. The reality is that um, a lot of us are still not. And so I work a lot with agency partners and a lot of the strategy that they have don't include contextual targeting. Even if I'm uh, if I'm providing some type of training solution to them, it's still something I like to bring up like, hey, you need to diversify your pool here. Contextual targeting is one of them. So how do you go about uh, addressing that with your clients and but also like internally at, at the agency level? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, like you were saying, it is and in very similar to Amanda, there is like some a bit of a hesitation I'm feeling with adding yeah. it for a lot of the reasons that she stated okay. in terms of um, what it looked like, you know, five, 10 years ago. Um, obviously, that's not what we're dealing with today, but we have had kind of, and I hate to use this word, an unprecedented couple of years here where, <laughs> especially from the agency size, a lot of times there is a lot of uncertainty. It might not be the best year or two that you've had. Maybe you're working under kind of more stringent budgets mm -hmm. with very clear KPIs that you're supposed to be hitting. Mm -hmm. So when you have a situation like that, you may, you know, you may not be as willing to test new things as you may normally, because if you know that you have 
have like a tactic you know is working um, and you know that that's going to help you hit the KPI that you need to hit, then you might be a little hesitant to add something in. Um, where I've seen opportunity to kind of dip our toes in is predominantly on the ad group level. Um, I like to segment, you know, an intent based audience, just maybe something that's similar that what we've been doing um, mm -hmm. and add a contextually refined version of that type of audience. So that way you can see how even adding that as a layer to your targeting can impact what you're already doing. Um, and use that as a way to kind of build a success story to eventually kind of even maybe try it from a campaign level. Okay, okay, I'm gonna, I need to ask a little bit more about this. So how how do you implement that? So are you saying, oh, in addition to maybe testing third-party cookies right now, since we still have access to that, and first-party cookies and a retargeting ad group or mm -hmm. line item, you have contextual targeting and you're utilizing certain vendors to target those audiences. Yeah, so um, obviously the window of opportunity for this is closing very, very, very rapidly. Um, <laughs> yes. But yes, you know, essentially taking the intent-based audience and saying, okay, but within this segment, I want to see my ad showing up according to these keywords or these topics and kind of going from there with your mm -hmm. measurement. Okay. Um, and actually, it's a good question and a good segue question into what Chris mentioned earlier in terms of like, not only including, but exclusion. So mm -hmm. is contextual exclusion from a contextual perspective, something we should be considering? And why? Anyone wants to answer first? I personally think that you should start with an inclusion strategy. I think you start mm. with the news okay. that, that uh, with, with programmatic advertising, there's so much scale out there. Yeah. And, and, and so you don't need to think about what should I block? I think you should start with what should I positively target? Then, you know, if you if you see that there's some type of uh, content that you just want to avoid that's somehow getting through, then you exclude. But I think really good contextual targeting starts with that deliberate choice of what do I want to target? What audiences do I want to target, you know, from a demographic standpoint? Mm -hmm. What geographics do I want to target? You know, what psychographics do I want to target? You know, what those are the things that you can now you can now infer from you know people just when they're on a website. I think it's really telling what people uh, will reveal just by simply reading a, a news article. And I think that's mm -hmm. the the promise of contextual is yeah we're not going to know as much about people and their past behaviors, but we're mm -hmm. going to know what they're reading and we're going to know what they're interested in in this moment. And I think there's oh. a real possibility there for us to re-envision how we think of, of, of psychographics and interests um, in this contextual world. That's super interesting. And that's a pretty interesting perspective because I remember as a buyer in my previous lifetime, like I like to say, how uh, one vendor, one DSP that we were working on um, were recommended a peer 39 or IAS contextual targeting, or, I mean, those are not the only two you have double verify, you have, um, you have a lot of partners out there for those listening. If you don't know where to start, um, there's a lot of contextual targeting partners, including even something like Zeus, the Zeus technology from the Washington post. But I remember the DSP specifically recommending excluding to save, uh, uh, to save, not only some CPM fees or CPM costs. So let's really talk about the cost. Uh, I think it's called what the, the tech tax or the tax fee. 
the tech fee in in the industry in terms of like oh we have to add this brand safety and there's a fee in addition on this, onto the cpm and then we have to add this the verification tool and then there's a fee and then there's the data fee and then there's this fee and then there's the dsp fee so um how have you have have this been a conversation with any of your clients any agency partners anyone in terms of like, well, we want to test contextual targeting, but it may not be as cost efficient as we want it to be. I can answer that one. Yeah, um, yeah that's definitely an ongoing uh, conversation that we have regardless of the channel, honestly, um, but mm -hmm. particularly with programmatic. I think, um, especially in the B2B space, we're already dealing with a lot of higher costs associated with bidding on a very like niche audience to begin with. So to already have to explain a high CPM that is consistently getting higher is, is always going to be an issue. So I think really where that comes in um, is mm -hmm. just being really on top of watching the cat cost cap, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. doing things like monitoring your frequency um, and so on to really accommodate any potential questions that you may get uh, asked at the end of the campaign mm -hmm. um, to allow yourself to better present a success story. And mm -hmm. that has so far been what has worked for me. Okay. That makes a lot of sense because um, I like that point and it's a good segue into one of the question I had in terms of like there was a there's a lot of like AI modeling, AI contextual modeling thrown out there in the interweb. There's a lot of partners that I like to say is we have a proprietary or patent um, pending AI and our contextual targeting tool is going to be the bomb.com. Um, how what does that really mean like ai modeling can anybody explain that to me uh I, I think i have an idea but like um what is that how would you define this chris <laughs> uh, yeah so so what does it mean nothing um yeah. okay. <laughs> but, but but you know ai is like well we we taught a computer to do something and and mm -hmm. like and how well does it do it is really the question you want to be asking and okay. and so you know, one of the one of my soapboxes is that you need <laughs> metrics on how well your AI, your contextual AI is classifying mm -hmm. content. Uh, how precise is it when it says that this article is a sports article, or if this article is an automobile article, right? Mm -hmm. Or an article that is talking about automobiles. Mm -hmm. uh, how accurate is that, right? Like, how precise is it? It's saying this is what I say it is. And how much of the universe does it actually get? So does it classify? Mm -hmm. Oh, I think we lost Chris. Chris. Can you guys hear him actually? Or is it just me? No, I think we lost him. Okay, that's okay. He was dropping some some bombs, some fire bombs, though. So I was really hoping to <laughs> to hear the end of it. Um, so to recap what Chris was saying for anybody joining, ask the question about AI modeling and contextual targeting and AI. What does that really mean? And he was saying that um, uh, it's 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 basically it. It's a term that is thrown out there very often, but we need to make sure to ask the right question with those vendors, like how precise is it? What does it really mean? Why is it called AI contextual targeting versus something else? So he's just dropped. So I'm assuming he'll he'll uh, come up uh, very soon here. So um, there's a lot going on. So Amanda, um, 
from a brand's perspective, and I'm really grateful that I had this panel because, again, I'm always asking, like, but I wonder if it's the same on the brand side. <laughs> like, I've never worked on the brand side. So let's talk about let's talk about contextual targeting from um, from an overarching strategy. Um, I know you attended the programmatic IO a couple of weeks ago. We got to meet. It was really bomb. Um, Stack Adapt had a really cool presentation and they talked about their AI, contextual AI, and I'm not, Stack Adapt, if you're listening, please, I'm not throwing shades or I'm not calling you what, because I found it, it was super interesting how they had case studies and they were showing like graphs about how their AI contextual targeting did, um, did uh, much better than something like a retargeting. Is that a strategy that you will be looking at implementing based on their presentation or even based on that AI modeling? Yeah. So or I are think, you already implementing it? Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, I think from, you know, from a brand perspective, again, you know, for us, it's really taking a step back. Mm -hmm. Like, what is our business strategy? What are we trying to accomplish for the brand? There's mm -hmm. going to be more than one way to skin the cat, if you know what I mean. So, you know, every <laughs> trader is going to be different. Every agency is going to be different in their approach, but understanding what the objectives are for each campaign is really what's most important. I think that, again, those are solutions that we certainly want to test. We're not going to throw all of our eggs in one basket and, and jump on the AI bandwagon with, with everything all at once, because I do believe in the value of testing and good data to really understand if it's working or not. Um, I do agree that that was a really great presentation from Stack Adapt, and I'm looking forward to learning more on all of these different capabilities that are out there. Um, I think we just need to be careful when we compare you know, retargeting in general versus a solution like that without a lot of details behind it. Because I think that retargeting is something that depending on the creative, depending on the frequency capping, depending on the overall strategy and how you go to market with that retargeting message, it can affect performance. So it was just sort of a little bit more general than what I would like to understand if I was going to move forward with that. But again, I think these are all things that we as brands do need to take into consideration and we do need to be open minded um, with the notion that we're going to take baby steps. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Yeah, I was looking for my mute button. Didn't want to drink in y'all's ears. Um, so, Victoria, what's the what do you think about Amanda's point? No, I completely agree. Like, I think because this is such a new tactic for so many brands out there, to uh -huh. really expect them to put the same resources behind contextual um, as they would like for retargeting in this particular instance, isn't yeah. quite yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at that point. But, you know, like I mentioned earlier, incrementally testing it, um, introducing it maybe with smaller budgets than you would normally allocate, finding opportunities to like maybe if one particular tactic falls through for performance issues, maybe subbing that in um, with that remaining budget. Um, just mm -hmm. kind of, I think the key here, especially over the next six to 12 months, is really going to be on advertisers to remain flexible to the situation. Um, mm -hmm. And to just continually see opportunities to not only test contextual to begin with, if they haven't already been using it, right. but finding ways to refine it um, and find meaning in those metrics accordingly.
that's a that's a good point too and it goes back to what you're saying chris welcome back um don't know if you had more to to say but we were really excited when <laughs> when you paused and i was like i know i don't think that's normal so uh <laughs> we would love for you to finish your train of thoughts or your your share here <laughs> you know but it's it's to amanda's point you know you, yeah. you need to know what's going on under the hood you need to actually be able to see the articles that are being suggested that your ads run against you need to be able to actually see under the hood to any contextual solution. Um, you want to know how precise and accurate it is, and, and you want to test it against your own intuition. I think that's so important. Mm. You know, some not all contextual is equal, uh, and and just because they use the term AI doesn't mean that it's any better than any other solution. A keyword-based approach could work really well if it's a simple. Uh, set of, of, of words that are going to uniquely identify the content that you want to be alongside. There's no right or wrong answer here, but the, but the most important thing is you need to be able to see what you're at, like what sites you're being suggested to run on. And if you can't see that from the provider you're using, use another provider because someone's going to be able to show that to you. And that that's kind of what I mean by under the hood is what, what websites are, are being positively uh, suggested for my for my ads, and, and that's mm -hmm. the most important thing. And I just encourage every you know everyone out there considering this to just you know spend mm. half hour just yeah. just looking at those those news that news content that the provider will send you, and just say, is this where I want to be? And if if the answer is yes, then the contextual is only going to help with everything that you're trying to do. It, I don't think it's the only way you target ads. I think it's okay. one of the one of the tools in the toolbox. But like I said, programmatic is this huge uh, landscape of billions of impressions a day. It helps you get down to that maybe a smaller subset of impressions okay. that actually are really relevant to you. Um, you know, and, and then beyond that, I think I think like like Amanda said, retargeting and is really you know that, that's never going away and and I, even if even if uh you know third party cookies were dead tomorrow it's still retargeting is going to be around it should always be a go-to okay. strategy but contextual yeah. i think it's 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 a it's a, it's a tool in the toolkit you know yeah. yeah 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 i agree i mean there's so much like if we had to um if we had to recap this conversation, um, contextual is one of the main thing. And I know you all knew about this and listeners and viewers, but you should absolutely be testing contextual targeting in your strategy right now, uh, whether you're using a partner that offer AI modeling or not. The reality is that even though a lot of things are automated and programmatic media is uh, automation of media buying and ad placement, um, you still need somebody uh, to look into it. Like you mentioned, I'm gonna borrow the term, look under the hood. You wanna see what's going on. First of all, you wanna know like how things are working. So identify the source. So go back to the source, such as what Chris was mentioning and actually Amanda, go back to your sources. Who is what, how are they doing? Um, how are they gathering their information? How are they um, as detailed as possible Ask from the vendor? If a vendor does not give this information, I that's a red flag. You know, I don't know if y'all seen on um, Instagram that those memes with the red flag. That's a red flag. If you're asking a vendor like about how are you gathering this information, how are you tracking or measuring this or that, and they're like, well, this is what's happening, but 
it's proprietary, so we can't go into details. I would run very much away from it. Um, first of all, because even if we knew a little bit more from your proprietary technology, we probably cannot steal it because it is probably patent pending. Anyway, so that would be my advice. The last thing I wanted to mention before we go into our closing segment here, because I want to be mindful of everyone's time, is that um, don't be afraid to test and test and test again and test some more. And what we mean by that is not only testing different contextual ad group or strategy or tactic. Yeah, you wanna test contextual targeting, excluding from a contextual base and including, um, but you wanna also test different vendors. Like make sure you test different vendors and don't put all your eggs into one basket. But if you happen to test a few vendors and one or two are working, then yeah, cool continue working with them only because it's about all it's about being cost efficient but it's also being like effective when it comes to your kpis and your performance so remember those things um so let's let's go into the closing segments these are fun questions i like to ask um how about we do like a fire what is it a rapid fire type of uh <clears throat> exercise here let's uh each of us give me like quickly one fun fact about yourself and a minute go oh my gosh okay <laughs> I used to be a professional dancer. What? <laughs> like what kind of dancing? Ballet. Okay. <laughs> no, this is so cool. Oh my gosh. How about you, Victoria? Well, Amanda and I are going to have to put on a joint show because I actually majored in classical opera. Uh, no now, way. Yeah. Okay, you one-up me on that one. <laughs> no, I, I promise you I didn't, but we can put on a show together if we so chose. Nice. <laughs> that is really interesting. I had no idea. Chris, were you I might put on the music for that show. I started college as a music major and I just All right. You know what? Y'all, I had no idea. The way we came across is that I posted on LinkedIn and I reached out to some of you and some of you reached out to me and some of you were referrals from reaching. So that is super fun. And then um last question is um or one last question after that. But uh what is your what is the latest thing you listen you listen to versus an audible? What is the listen the last book you've read or you're currently reading? I'm a bookworm, so I love to ask those questions. Um, I'm reading "Smoke It's in Your Eyes" by Caitlin Dowdy, which is about um, it's a little morbid maybe, but it is about death practice <laughs> around the world. Um, it's really cool though how people you know <laughs> celebrate that. Okay. Okay. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's really interesting. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What are you reading, Chris, or listening to if you're doing Audible? Um, yeah, so I have to read for a living with all the research that I do. Oh, so, I bet. You know, it's, it's just like I, I, I don't read a ton for fun. Um, so oh, okay. in the academic world, I really like uh, I like Gladwell's books, and but I also like Jonah Berger's uh, Contagious, and so that's one that I always recommend um, okay. because I think it's it's a great way to think about viral marketing. And so if you haven't if you haven't uh, if you haven't read that one, it's been out for a few years. But if you haven't okay, read it, that would be my suggestion. Okay, Contagious from Jonah Berger, and I actually just finished Outliers from Malcolm Gladwell, and that was a really yeah. good book. Uh, Outliers mm -hmm. um, was really good. Amanda, how about you? Yeah, so I, too, don't really read a whole lot for fun. I have three <laughs> small children, so there's not a whole lot of time for that. But <laughs> as someone who grew up in the arts, grew up in you know mm -hmm. dance, theater, all of that good stuff, I really enjoy reading about people and their lives. Nice. Uh, Me too, memoirs. 
Yeah. So I'm actually in the middle of Queen Meryl, which is about Meryl Streep and her life and her right. wife. I think she's one of the greatest actors of all time and oh, wow. I'm really enjoying that so far. That is awesome. I'm currently reading Jim Quick Limitless and that book is just like it's it's very deep so I've been rereading the same the same pages over so I could remember some of that. Um but I'm a big fan of memoirs too. I've read um quite a few and but I like the memoirs from like celebrities. Like I re I read Tiffany Haddish's um Michelle Obama I read uh, Shonda Rhimes' uh, The Year of Yes, which is not a memoir per se, but she talks a lot about her, her personal life, of course. Um, so I'm a big fan of memoir. So let's close uh, this amazing first live panel, yay, um, with a word of wisdom. What would be, um, <clears throat> what would be one, one advice you can give to somebody that's looking into maybe adding contextual targeting as a strategy, or just like somebody that works in the industry and don't know where to start? What would be like one word of wisdom for them? Um, so I can start. I'll, I'll say from my perspective, transparency, again, you know, being in the client seat, that is all we really care about. And to your point, Victoria, earlier on pricing, um, I think that from a from an agency or brand, I guess, perspective, if the, the prices are going up as a, as a client, we just want to understand why and is it moving the needle? So are we spending more for the impression? That's okay if our return on ad spend is um, improving. So are we improving performance with our strategies and are our vendors and agency partners really transparent with us, uh, both from an inventory perspective, but also on a cost perspective and all of those. Yeah. So I think transparency is so important and it's another mm -hmm. hot topic lately, especially yeah. as we think about, um, you know, some of the other topics like in-housing and whatnot. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, and, and we didn't get a chance to talk about privacy, but um, that's a really great print, uh, point, transparency. Victoria. Yeah, no, um, just kind of going off the theme of the day, but like testing, I would say <laughs> don't be scared of the learning curve. There will be failures. There will be opportunities mm -hmm. for improvement. I, like I think really making sure that you're communicating. And again, Amanda, going back, being very transparent about what's working, what's not working. Um, it'll put you in a position where you can gather as much insight now where things are still kind of forgiving um, so that you have that insight for later and you're not kind of in a sink or swim situation. Perfect. And Chris, last but not least, well, how would you end uh, this, this panel with a word of wisdom? Yeah, I think contextual advertising is like looking for a house. And I think you have to find the right community that you want your ad to live in, right? right. We, 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 you know, the house is important, the ad is important, but it's really important that you find the community that, that checks all the right boxes. Right. That can mean, you know, relevance on a topical level, which is, which is like, you know, making sure that, you know, when people are reading content about the best winter weather tires, your ad is right there, but it also can mean making sure that your ad, your ad is 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 in a, is in an environment that that makes sense for your brand. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like it's in, in making sure you sponsor the journalism that you say you care about as a brand. And I think yeah. that's that's really what contextual is is, is finding that those little communities that you want to live in, and then put and then putting yourself in that conversation. I absolutely love that analogy and I will definitely use it again. Thank yeah. you so much 
all three of you for joining. This was thebomb.com. We really appreciate it. If you're listening, this is a live panel podcast and it will be available on all podcast platform tomorrow, but it's currently available on LinkedIn and YouTube as we speak. Amanda, Victoria, and Chris, thank you so much for joining us. For those who would like to reach out to them, their information will be in the show notes. And if you're on LinkedIn, uh, they are all tags on all the posts. So feel free to DM them, to ask them questions, to hire them, to work with them, to consult with them. Um, and as always, make it a great day and go go live your best life. So thank you everybody for joining and have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right.